No doubt about it, the narrative has changed since President Obama uh, first took office, the narrative on issues like Russia and al-Qaeda. Here to discuss it is the Weekly Standard, Stephen Hayes. Steve, so glad to have you on board. Hi, Michael. How are you? I'm better than President Obama, I will put that way. Uh, Vladimir Putin, Putin has not humiliated me in public recently, so I'm doing better than he is. Before we get to al-Qaeda, I just want to get your thoughts on how D.C. is reacting to this. I mean, is, it, is there any way to spin it other than the back of the hand from the superior power holder in this relationship? No, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any, any other way to really look at it. Uh, if, if you remember back um, when President Obama answered questions about uh, Edward Snowden and what his uh, transit, having transited to, to uh, Moscow, meant for the relationship, remember he famously said, we're not going to scramble fighter jets to get this guy. And he also said, this is a comment that, that went largely overlooked, we're not going to let this affect other parts of our relationship, basically. We've got a lot of really important stuff going on, and this isn't going to be a part of it. Now, those words jumped out at me at the time because I thought, well, this is pretty significant to have this guy there uh, and and what happens from him from that point forward. Maybe ought to actually affect our relationship with, with Moscow, depending on how Putin handles it. And now you're seeing that, in fact, it has affected the relationship uh it, it to me it was more a reflection of the already deteriorating relationship and the fact that putin has had the upper hand for years but this seems to to be news to the white house uh and to the president i uh, did some research and it turns out that uh, obama is russian for doormat I was not aware of that, so maybe that explains some of this. Uh, another challenge for President Obama is the current state of national security, and, and he's kind of all over the map, so I apologize, Steve, if I'm a little bit all over the map. I'm trying to put these pieces together. I remember when we had the uh, al-Qaeda on the run, and then I remember when we had to shut down all of our embassies in 22 countries, or uh, shut down our embassies in 22 countries for the first time. And then I remember when we had the NSA you know, leaks regarding you know, from Snowden about tracking every phone call domestically made. And then I found out last night from Jay Leno that President Obama says there's no domestic spying. Uh, what is the status of our security, re-terrorism, and al-Qaeda? Well, this, this is the huge problem, and, and you correctly point out that it goes back to the beginning of the administration, not just to uh, the 2012 presidential campaign. I mean, I think most people think back, and, and certainly it's been in the news a lot over the past several days, the president repeatedly saying during that campaign, the 2012 campaign, you know, al-Qaeda is dead, or it's on the path to defeat, bin Laden is dead, we've got al-Qaeda on the ropes, what have you. And then you move into to this year, and you have the president giving speeches, in effect declaring the war on terror over. And then you have these revelations about the NSA, and, and you know the obvious question at the time was, well, if al-Qaeda is dead and we don't face the kind of threats that we've now faced for the better part of a decade, why do we need these kind of programs to keep us safe? It was the obvious, but I think usually unspoken question that informed much of the debate over the NSA programs over the past several weeks. And it's one of the reasons that you know even people who were, uh, I would say, tolerant of sort of broader national security state measures under George W. Bush looked a little uh, skeptically at the ones that President Obama had been continuing to, to operate and not really defending. Uh, the, uh, the transition from we've got al-Qaeda on the run to, yes, they have to run if they want to catch up with our fleeing embassy personnel was a kind of pretty big one. 
the how does how does the White House square that circle other than trying to say, well, we meant core Al Qaeda, which apparently is like an offshoot about it's not really Al Qaeda. It's like the National League versus American League or something. I, I once again, I can't figure it out. Well, this is this is the way that I mean, this this is why this latest set of revelations, I think, is is so damaging to the White House and the way that it's approaching uh, our counterterrorism more broadly. For years, going back well before the 2012 election, the president and his advisors have made the argument, advanced the case that there is, on the one hand, this core al-Qaeda, which is a a discrete number of senior al-Qaeda officials operating in Pakistan and Afghanistan, whom the U.S. government, through the use of drones and and other means, has decimated. I mean, that's the favorite word, decimated core al-Qaeda. And the implication, sometimes the the argument the administration has made is that with that diminution of core al-Qaeda, we don't face the same level threat. Now, when they were smart, they would mention that, you know, the affiliates have us concerned, al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula, some have mentioned from time to time. But there's very little question that the administration's point in making that argument, again, going back several years, was that the nature of the threat that we face is no longer as serious as the threat that we had faced before we degraded core al-Qaeda. The problem here is that this latest intelligence, this latest set of revelations, uh, basically blows that whole paradigm up, because what you have is Ayman al-Zawahiri, the the leader of al-Qaeda, elevating uh, Nasr al-Waheshi, who's the leader of al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula, to basically the number two position in al-Qaeda overall. And it also reveals the extent to which core al-Qaeda and its leader, Zawahiri, has been coordinating with not only al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula, but we've seen over the past several months coordination with many of the other affiliates over time. So it just suggests that the administration's view of al-Qaeda through all these many years has been, you know, at the very least incomplete, if not really wrong. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Steve, a, a brilliant writer in the Boston Herald today, I forget his name, Michael something, points out that James Rosen's family has spent more time under surveillance than Tamerlan Zarnaev's, the Boston bomber. And it, <laughs> and it raises the question of uh, the attitude of the Obama administration about who should be surveilled and who should be punished for leaks. And if you remember, the James Rosen story started with a leak about a North Korean story that, let's face it, Steve, no one even really cared that much about. And of course, right. the Obama administration screwed up North Korea. Everybody screws up North Korea. But now you have a leak that shows that the number one guy in Al-Qaeda is talking to the number two guy in Al-Qaeda. And we've got the whatever, the phone number, or we're listening in, or we've got him on the live chat room or something. And that leaks. Have you seen, has, have they have they thrown James Rosen into Gitmo yet? Have, has, has a reporter been bound and gagged yet over this? No, boy, this is an incredible leak. I mean, there are a number of different stories about how the United States obtained the intelligence that led to the these closures of nearly two dozen embassies in the Middle East and South Asia. Uh, there's a Newsweek story or Daily Beast story, I guess it is now, uh, by Eli Lake and Josh Rogan, very good reporters, yes. that what had happened was, in effect, a conference call between uh, Ayman al-Zawahiri and all of these uh, senior leaders of affiliates, al-Qaeda affiliates, uh, around the region. Um, yeah, I've seen some people expressing skepticism that that was actually what had happened. Mm-hmm. You had another report over the weekend that it was an intercept of U.S. intercept of 
uh, communications between this Zawahiri and the leader of al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula. Whatever the case is, if we were intercepting communications or intercepted a communication that involved the, the leader of al-Qaeda, and that was leaked to the press, we can be sure that the leader of al-Qaeda will not be using the same means of communication in the future, and thus that may, this leak may cost us a window into the thinking and the preparing uh, of top al-Qaeda. It's insane that someone would leak this. Think about this for a second. During World War II, we allowed allied troops to be killed rather than use information that we got because after we broke the Germans' codes to talk to submarines, I forget uh, the, the name right. of the code device, because it was so much more valuable to be able to listen in. Today, we've got the two top guys of the Hi, We Want to Kill Americans Club, and we put it in the newspaper that we're listening in. And where is the, out, where is the once again, Rosen-like or you know, whatever uh, outrage? Right, exactly. And there's some, you know, there's a, there's a, uh, a debate. Nobody really knows exactly where this leak came from and, and why it happened. I think some people believe that this was a White House-directed leak. Um, other people, I think I'm probably in a, in a second camp that believes that it probably wasn't a White House-directed leak. The, the original story uh, came from McClatchy Newspapers, the third largest newspaper chain in the country, and they sourced that information to uh, somebody they called an official who'd been briefed on the information in Sana'a, Yemen. And would be hard, I think, for the White House to coordinate a leak from there. And more importantly, going back to what we were talking about just a moment ago, the leak, the, the, the substance of the leak, the fact that you have this call on operational planning between the head of core al-Qaeda and the head of al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula, really does undermine the case that the president and his advisors have been making for the better part of five years about al-Qaeda and about their progress on al-Qaeda. So it would be a strange leak for them to point to that intercept as sort of, you know, to, to use something that so badly undermines the argument they've been making for so long. Well, Steve Hayes, I don't know. It, the short-term gain is that it backs up the NSA surveillance concept and it makes the Obama administration look like they're on top of things. And I think they play a short-term game all the time because they don't believe anyone will do the hard journalism to cover the long term. But that's why you're there, and that's why we've got you this Weekly Standard. Thanks so much for your time. Anytime. Thanks, Michael.